Hi, everybody. This is Anthony Burroughs for Life and Finances with Sacrifice and Service. Now, this is going to be my 14th program. Wow, and for me, that's a milestone. Originally, the idea was to, hey, just start out and do something to try simply make a difference for our community. But of course, you know, reaching um, us sometimes is rather difficult and it takes a lot of different avenues. But now that I've cleared program number 13, my season one is over and I'm starting season number two. And at this phase in my life, I've come to realize that no matter what, it is never too late to do something different, to challenge yourself with something new and exciting. And not to just be in the day-to-day -day rut, going through the routine, step outside of that routine and that rut, and just challenge yourself. So um, today now, I wish to talk about, well, I should say, recently I've had conversations with a number of persons, and it's back to school being the month of September. And persons have been wondering and kind of arguing bitterly school fees should i pay it or should i not pay it and if i do pay it should i pay less they can't expect for me to pay the same that's the argument and you know the gripes is that these are pandemic pandemic times and the pandemic we are thinking will last for at least two years lord's willing let's hope it's um shorter than that but it's bringing a lot of challenges in terms of back to school. Now you have some of the schools, especially around the states, high schools and elementary schools and in Europe, who have opened school, but some have had to turn around and shut it down immediately because shortly after there were a lot of COVID-19 infections. Now China seemed to have been getting it right, but you know with China, like many even um, democratic countries, you don't ever get the real truth out of them in terms of data. So it isn't just a communist thing. It's something that happens all over the world. And a lot of people now have this, what I call, they suffer from the something for nothing syndrome. They want what it is they want, but they don't want to pay the value that it's worth. Now, all things being equal, and this in my humble opinion, I think a lot of people share this opinion too, the cheaper an item or a product, the more likely it's to be an inferior product. Because in essence, really and truly, most times you get what you pay for. And um, all worthwhile goods and services cost money. And you know what? Education is no different. So... When we look at the present situation due to the pandemic, we have a lot of job loss. At one point, we were at 50% job loss. Now that we've had the different opening up here and there, it's said to be around 40% of persons now who were employed, say, six months ago, eight months ago, that are still unemployed. So we have many persons on the, still on the NIB assistance, then we have a lot of people still dealing with social services. 
to get whatever it is that they can get, mainly some persons with rental assistance, some with food and so forth. And then you have the food assistance programs that's all over the Bahamas, mainly Nassau and Freeport. And that being the case, it's difficult for many to determine, hey, do I want to send my child back to school? Can I afford to send them back to private school? And we had a situation I read the other day online as I was following in India. They had a situation where persons, the government said to private schools, hey, you cannot turn your, stu your former students away for non-payment. And um, so therefore they were saying, forego any payment of tuition and fees for at least three months. But the schools, you know, they still have salaries to pay utilities and all the different overhead. Took it to court. And this is when uh, democracy at work. And the Indian courts ruled that, hey, no, the government can't insist of non-payment for three months. And the courts set a limit that, hey, you can request up to 70% payment of, of tuition and fees. And if anybody doesn't pay at all, you, yes, you can lock them out of the online classes, but you cannot expel them from the school permanently. You know, because in India, that's a, a big thing. Hey, to have on your, on your record that you've been expelled from your school. It's like having a criminal record here in the Bahamas or in some of these other Western culture countries. Because, you know, if you have a record uh, when it comes to getting jobs and things of the sort, it's a, it's a big stumbling block. Now, the thing is, with September being the back-to-school month, we have a situation where now, because everything is online, businesses are suffering. Because parents normally, and I can think of my wife around this time, would be getting all the, the shoes, the pants, the shirt, the tie, getting the engravement on the, on the shirt pocket, and all those sort of things, the extra underwears and all of you. And then also, they would then have to get the school jackets and the books and all those sort of things, which accounts for millions of dollars moving throughout the economy, keeping persons employed. Now, that being the case, and it's not happening right now, that's a big hit for a lot of the places who this is their big money earner time for them, which would be back to school and Christmas. And then the thing is that government had said this thing where there would be no VAT for during the time for back to school. So that's um, even the government, when you think about it, takes a hit because they no longer, well, they weren't going to collect the VAT anyhow, but up to the time, people would have been buying even before then. Now, most private schools have started. Um, you have one or two will begin this coming week. And then the government schools will begin, I think it's the 5th of October. So that's a while yet um, for them. Now, one of the bones of contention for a lot of parents has been, hey, these fees, if we're online, we're not in the regular system, please reduce the fees. And that's been their, their gripe because everything has been remote. I guess since, um, when was the first lockdown? That was in March, middle of March. So everything went online and people were doing either Skype, Zoom, or Cisco WebEx, either one of those people were, people were doing. So that has changed the system altogether. Then 
Another item now with September and this back to school is that a lot of parents are back to work, which means that the children would be at home while the parents are at work. And that's a challenge, you know, because a lot of children um, somehow a lot of times wouldn't stay as focused as they ought to be. And it can lead to them falling behind in their academics. And you know, the academics you do for now is a preparation for the future. Um, one of the major cries again is that persons are saying, hey, the schools don't have the same overhead because, hey, everything's online. The teachers are, in some instances, at their homes. Some, I guess, this um, semester will be actually going on campus and because they're going to have access to more facilities and more and more technology and they'll be able to um, go ahead and better produce their class lesson and the, and the program that they'd be doing. I can think of one parent in particular I spoke with and man, he was vehemently opposed to this notion that, hey, I have to pay full school fees. But, you know, and of course, he, he had a litany of things which had to do with, hey, Hey, you don't pay, um, they don't need security out there anymore. They don't need desks, chairs, this, that. All of the different things he ran on with. But um, my thing to him was that, hey, education is not cheap and it certainly isn't free. Even in public schools, it's not free. Now, his argument really to me was, hey, my child at home is going to be flushing my toilet, using up his water, then the electricity, they're going to be burning the air conditioning as they go back and forth, constantly opening the fridge and all the things that go, all the apparatuses that go with the, with the electricity, which would be like the Wi-Fi and the internet and, of course, the computer. And so their concern is, hey, I am incurring expenses, not the school. And then I wouldn't talk about the last item that most person's dread, especially when they have boys, teenage boys, they eat a lot of the food, not to mention that the persons are being unsupervised, so hey, they're going to lay down as long as they want, skip classes, or have the system on yeah, in the class, but then, you know, they just uh, mute everything, sit there, and just be a zombie and not really pay attention, because there's no one there for them. And then the next question came up from the individual. It's like, hey, what about my primary school age child? You know, I'm at work. I can't have my primary school age child. Now, some schools are saying, hey, um, from grade three and under, we'll have to come in. Boy, I don't know how that's going to work because, you know, um, children at that age, they haven't seen their teachers in a while. The first thing they're going to do is sprint and hug the teacher. So that's going to be something. And then I saw a... What's our post the other day where the boy came home from primary school, he left home with a mask that was black in color, came back home with one that was purple in color and said, hey, told his parents, man, he didn't like the color of his mask, so he switched masks with his friend. So things like that, you know, we know it's humorous, but I guess they're just trying to make the point. Now, let's look at some data. Now, you know me. I, lo I love data um, because data for me, it, it kind of explains everything, you know, it makes it clearer. It kind of reveals the behind the scenes stuff. So you get this real sense of the story and ultimately 
It helps you with your decision making so that you can make an informed decision. Now, on the other hand, we have persons who are sitting in positions of power. They know the data is clear to them, but for whatever reason, they want to remain popular. They want to satisfy the crowd and they're looking for power retention. And the future means nothing to them. So we end up in a situation where poor decisions are made and it affects everybody. But you know, that's how it is. But of course, if things are to happen, then it's on the individual level that we can make it happen. Now let's look at some data. The number of public schools slash government schools in the Bahamas is 167. That's high schools, junior high schools, primary, and then the all-age schools. Now, some persons may not know what the all-age school is like. Majority of them, well, they are really schools that will be in the family island. I can remember in the 70s when we moved to Eleuthera. I think we were there for about two, about two years, maybe, maybe three. And while we were there, uh, my first week in school, before I took the exam and went up to Windermere, there was a settlement I lived in, which was Palmetto Point. They had an all-age school. And it was shocking to me when I went into the classroom. Lo and behold, you had the building, but it was more like a church. And then everything just like you had this grade set up over there, the next grade here, and everybody could see and hear one another. There was no partitions. All they had was a blackboard set up for each group. And I'll never forget the shocker that was for me, so the all-age school. But a lot of good students come out of those environment as parents push and motivate and encourage. Now, there's 167 public schools, and then private school is 96 private schools. That's high school and primary schools. Now, there are 300 daycare slash preschools in the, um, in the Bahamas. And the thing is, they are vital for our economy. Because you have a situation where parents, are, while in order to get to work and go to work and to function, they want to leave their children somewhere that they consider to be safe and comfortable. And that's where our daycare and preschools come in. So we definitely need those back up and running. Now I noticed the other day I passed about two daycare uh, and pre-slash preschools and they were open at the time. Now, let's look at some other data. Let's look at the number of teachers. And you know, teachers are the single most important resource when it comes to school because they are the actual service that's rendered to the students. So for the teachers, um, public school has 2,700 teachers, almost 3,000. And the value of a teacher, you get a good trained, equipped teacher. It's like a single teacher value is more than two or three cabinet ministers put together. That's their value. Now, some people may not like that, but that's the way it is. Private schools now, they approximately have a thousand teachers and administrators. I couldn't get the data just on teachers, so I had to just go with, with the data for teachers and administrators. Then let's look at some data for students. Now, 
Students, when you think about it, they are the purpose and the reason for having this, the schools in existence. With no students, there'll be no teachers, there'll be no buildings, there'll be no grounds, there'll be nothing. Students, that's the purpose for having the schools, and they are the ones that we depend on to drive this nation in the future. And we'll see how things go, especially through this COVID time, because this type of learning now is new and different. I really wish as a child growing up that I could have had this sort of being like, whoa, would have been tremendous. I really would have enjoyed it. Be at home, kick back. But then when you think about it, well, at the end of the day, I guess if I could have gone and played some ball, that would have been fine. But I, I personally, as an individual, would have loved it like that. So now the number of students in public schools, we have a total of 46,000 students in public schools and then in private schools there are approximately 19,000 students in, 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 in private schools now you notice that it's, it's actually about half of what's in the public school and that is because you have to pay and you know wherever you have to pay there are going to be less people getting on that line it really comes down to dollars and cents and then it comes a sense too also will how much parents place a value on education you got some parents hey to them it's let's have this house let's have this car let's uh, let's go on this trip and to them they're thinking well hey the children can get through it no matter what now public schools are fine provided there's parental involvement or you just got a child that's driven by themselves. Cause, and you do have that. You have some children come out of the public system. They do real well because they are self-motivated and they are driven. But kids like that are far and few between. So dollars and cents persons look at it. But really and truly, investing in the child probably in the private school now, you may be spending money on them now, but you're in a situation where... You don't have to be giving them a dollar, paying their rent, helping them with this when they become an adult because they should have equipped themselves. And a lot of times, a lot of children don't do that. And it comes back to you always get what you pay for. It's just no free lunch. So you either pay on the front end or you pay on the back end. And of course, in the meantime, you just got to do plenty praying for those children while they're in school, for the system and as everything work together. Now, for the private schools, government has a thing known as the subvention. And the government subvention, the purpose of it is that the government isn't able to absorb all of the students in the country into its system. Therefore, it, give, it has given or projected to give budget-wise $15 million dollars and primarily for salaries towards the schools this year and the schools will use them as i said mainly for salaries now 15 million dollars to split up between a thousand teachers and administrators that works out to like about fifteen thousand dollars per teacher slash administrator well, of course i'm sure they're paying them more than that but that's just a subsidy towards paying those salaries now the Department of Education budgeted for salaries $150 million 
$349,102 in salaries. Now the entry level for public school teachers, their salary is the average $25,000 is the entry level and the average public school teacher salary is $30,000 and for some of us we would say $30,000 that sounds like a reasonable salary but of course when you have our high cost of living VAT digging into everything we are an important nation so $30,000 if, if isn't handled correctly can evaporate boom in a heartbeat now let's look at some fees that that students, well, I should say parents, are paying when you look at some of the schools. I may be off a dollar here and there. Now, let's say like St. Andrews or Life at Key. They are around approximately $6,000 per term. Wow. $6,000 per term. QC, at about $2,000 per term. St. Augustine's, $1,700 per term. Bahamas Academy, Temple, Nassau Christian Academy, those schools, they are around the $1,200 per term. Now, private primary schools, they are in the vicinity of between $1,000 to $1,100 per term. So the, so the high-end schools, that's the St. Andrews and the Lifeford and those, and the, I forget that one in Freeport and one or two others here. They are an average of $18,000 per annum. Then the middle schools, the middle set in terms of costing, they are around $12,000 per annum. And then those on the lower end, around $3,600 per annum. Well, I guess which isn't so bad. Now, let's compare these prices to some U.S. private schools. Now, the average Per term fee in the United States, per term that is high school, would be in the vicinity of $4,000 per term, which it works out to around $12,000 per annum. That's for high schools. Then for elementary slash primary schools, that we would call it, an average of $3,314 per term or in the vicinity of like $9,944 or round that off at $10,000 per annum. That's for primary schools. Now, prices, prices are an indicator of the value people put on things. And when you see these quote-unquote developed countries paying these fees, they place a high value on education because they know where education could possibly take them and it's a uh, for many persons in the world system education is considered the best way and the best avenue and the thing about it you don't have to have any special gift to become educated whereas if you become a pro athlete you got to probably be six foot or more tall you got to weigh so much you got to run so fast have natural gifts that you'd be born with a lot of it physical whereas with an education everybody has a brain just a matter of applying yourself putting it to work and in many cases just think outside the box well you know i'll elaborate on education and that system in my next podcast next week now the average tuition when we're looking at let's look at what two states in america for instance california 
The average per annum for high school is $20,000 per annum. So they are a little more than, say, our top guys in terms of cost. Now, here's a whopping one. The state of Connecticut, their average is around $35,000 per annum. And I do know of uh, at least a, a lady whose brother, Bahamian, I think he went to one of those extremely expensive boarding schools in Connecticut. This was in the 70s, somewhere around there. It was mighty expensive back then. So you can imagine what it is now. Now, you'll say that in the, U the U.S. public school system, yes, they have some good schools too. But the better the school, the higher the taxes for the area in which the school exists because their system is that, hey, if you want a good school, you got to so-called, quote-unquote, move to a good neighborhood in order to get into those good schools. Now, for us, our Department of Education, because a lot of times people think it's the Ministry of Education, but the Ministry of Education is different from the Department of Education. The Department of Education covers all of the schools, the salaries for the teachers, and the maintenance and all the upkeep and different things for schools or scholarships and things of that sort. Now, the Department of Education budget accounts for 11.3% of the nation's budget. You see, nothing's free. And I'll go right back to you. Normally get what you pay for. You see, in pandemic times now, private school fees... The question is to pay or not to pay. And I'm going to look at a couple of points and then we got to kind of move towards wrapping it up. What are the advantages and disadvantage of classes being online? I'll give you some advantages. Now, first, you have a reduction in cost to us, the parents. The first thing, no uniform, none of that lunch money every day. We could forget books if we want to and just go online and use all the resources there. We don't have to buy the PE clothes and all the other extra things that we would have to do. There's no dropping and picking up. Say, you know how much gas you save when you're doing that, when you're avoiding the dropping and the picking up. So, which eats a lot of the resources. And then another advantage is that online there are more learning options. So, the teacher could use more videos, more graphics. They could use these interactive programs. And one that I saw in action one day was Kahoot. And I really liked the, the way it was, you know, they could do all the questions. It's just really interactive and it challenges the children and excite them. And then you, it has the list of all the persons that's participating. And, you know, it, it's very exciting, those interactive programs. Another thing is that it can build confidence. See, because the children now in a situation, there's less intimidation because you're sitting in your own environment. There's no problem with asking questions and making statements and all of that. And the other good thing is that you can simply record the sessions and then watch them later. Now, if the parent at home or isn't out looking for work or isn't at work, they could observe the teacher in action. In most cases, this will be their first time. Now, disadvantages. Oh, Lord. BPL, Bahamas Power and Light. You know, we cannot count on them. In fact, he just had an island wide blackout last week. Well, yeah, last week. And every couple of weeks, you got an island wide blackout, and they give you some 
unkillable do as to why it's happening. They're just incompetent. You can't depend on them. Then you have the internet reliability challenges and the speed. I looked at, say, hey, let me see what these speeds are, other parts of the world with the bandwidth. South Korea, who ranks as number one? And this was, I think, 2019. Yes, 2019. South Korea, their megabytes per second is 52.4 megabytes per second. The U.S. comes in at 38 with 21.3 megabytes per second. And a lot of times when I travel around the States, I was like, whoa, this thing's fast. So you can imagine in South Korea. Now, Iraq came in at 87. That's where they ended. And their megabyte was 1.6 megabytes per second. So I wonder where in the world we are on that totem pole. And another disadvantage is that some teachers still aren't comfortable with the technology and teaching online. Then... There's those students, if they fall behind, it could be difficult for them to catch up. But of course, you can make use of other resources. You got YouTube, you got Khan, and other resources that they can make, um, can make use of. But the key is parental involvement. Then, the sec then the, my second item under this should I pay the school fee or not is that the result is always... In the eating of the pudding and that's where the proof is in this case I like to say the proof is in the eating of the gava duff now let's look at scholarships on average there are 4,000 applicants a year out of that 3,650 are private school students so that leaves 350 students applicants from the public schools and of that 350 only 250 actually meet the criteria for a scholarship so the private schools have 31% of the student population, but they got 91% of the scholarships. Wow. I don't know if it's just being in a private school or if it's the parental involvement. I guess this is where the subvention, that $15 million pay off. Let's look at some BJC results from 2018. Now, during that time, they had 11,827 students take the exams. Now, students passing five subjects with C or better. You had 1,600, 1,600 who passed five subjects with C or better. So that's 13%. Then we have students passing English, Math, and Science with C or better. That's 1,552, 1,500 students. And here's no surprise what I looked at. Boys were 50% behind girls in passing with A's. But the boys were 40% ahead of the girls with failing, went while failing with U's. And the U is the total, total lowest at, at grade that you can get. And of course, when you look at our prison, this is reflective in it. So education, criminality, and all the different things. Of course, it could go deeper than that because, you, you know, home situations, culture, and all of that. But it's reflective. Now, let's take a look at the BGCSE results during that same time. Now, the applicants in this for the BGCSE is far less. You had 6,720 applicants. 72% were from private schools. 39% from public schools. Now, applicants who passed five subjects with C or better was 806, and that's only 12%, that's which is basically similar reflective with the BJ, um, BJC. Now, the subjects most taken, English, 
biology, math, and religious studies. I guess these are folks who can go be doctors, nurses, teachers, and whatever else. Now, the subjects least taken are art and design, auto mechanic, and clothing construction. And the thing with these said, you can make a living right out of school. Those other things, you got to go on to college and still may not be able to make a living. You see, the private schools, some of the advantages when you really look at it is that parental involvement is greater because they are investing their dollars in it. And you'd see it when you go to PTA meetings because you find a, a good-sized crowd out for private school and public school. You'd have 1,600 students in the school and you might get five parents come out to the PTA meeting. Another thing is that you have the real-time feedback with the private schools because a lot of them have the ad line and all the different things that they would have that they can you can go online immediately and see what the ch your child grades are and, and track his trend and see where he's going. Then you got a set of appointments with teachers. Now, one of the things I find with private school teachers is that they have this tendency to want to duck you because they're going to have to say, um, make an appointment, go to the office, make an appointment, do this, do that. And I guess that's because parents in private schools have a tendency to be a nuisance sometimes because they may think Johnny deserve an A or Susie deserve a a B plus and the grade you're giving them isn't kind of conducive with what they have been putting into the child. So they will make a nuisance of themselves. But the public school now, man, if a parent show up, oh my goodness, they overjoyed because they can go years without seeing a parent. So as we kind of wrap this up, it is clear from the data, if you can afford, put your child in a private school, follow up, push, ask questions. And then hopefully the system along with your pushing them will get them to where it is you want them to be to prepare them for this world, at least this world kingdom I call it, in terms of being ready academically, in terms of getting a job and all of that. So until next time, I am Anthony Burroughs for Life and Finances with Sacrifice and Service, saying may the God of heaven bless and prosper you. Amen. See you next time.